welcome back. I'm Ian Linder, and you're listening to the Risk-Free Podcast. As a property and casualty insurance advisor, I've dedicated my career to protecting the assets and liabilities of corporations in some of the riskiest industries out there. On each episode of the Risk-Free Podcast, we'll go in-depth with business owners and executives to discuss how they're managing some of the most dangerous risks posing a threat to their business. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, for episode four of the Risk-Free Podcast. We've got a great episode lined up for this week, but before we get into that, I want to reiterate my message from last episode, which is how important it is that we continue to take precautions with regard to COVID, continuing to wear masks when necessary, continuing to distance ourselves. Let's not forget that we are not completely out of the woods yet, and the risk of contracting COVID still exists, so let's continue to take it seriously. With that having been said, we're very lucky to have on Michael Pilla, who is the VP at DP Group General Contractors. DP Group is based out of the Bronx, New York, and specializing in every major avenue of construction from new to rehab. They're passionate about bringing forth the highest level of quality and safety to each project. While a lot of construction businesses have been out of work in the New York City area, DP Group has been heavily involved in essential work. So we're going to talk to Mike about how they have been dealing with the threat of COVID and how they have managed and are managing moving forward ongoing safety responsibilities and requirements. So without further ado, let's jump right in. So Mike Pilla, thanks so much for being my fourth guest on the Risk-Free Podcast. I appreciate you being on with us. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks very much. We're really happy to be here today. On a personal note, what have you and your family been doing to stay positive during these times and to get through the pandemic? Well, I, I like to eat when I'm when I stress out, so I've been eating quite a bit. Um, but I try to offset that with riding a bike. So I, I've been I bought a Peloton bike. So I'm trying to uh, counteract my calories by uh, by actually burning them off. So it's just really taking it day by day. You know, we, we've been lucky. No, nobody in my immediate family has has gotten sick uh, from the pandemic of, from COVID nineteen, which is good. We have some friends that weren't so lucky. But um, like I said, take it day by day and just deal with it. Yeah. I'm in the same camp as you. I'm lucky enough that I haven't had any family personally affected by this. So lucky to be in the same position. But obviously, our hearts go out to all the families that have been affected. One thing I, I wanted to ask is how you got into the business that was started by the previous generation of your family and how you came to be more involved. Did you always know that you were going to stay in the family business? Absolutely not. So I grew up and I, I did construction my whole life. I, every weekend I'd work construction when I was sort of, as soon as I could like with, move a wheelbarrow, I was working construction. It was hard work. You know, I, I didn't go, you know, other people went to camps in the summer. When I was a kid, I would demolition a bathroom or do my backyard or something. You know, I was always doing work around the house, which at the time I, I hated, but, uh, you know, it turned out it was actually a good thing. So I actually went to college for electrical engineering, and I made a decision after I graduated <clears throat> that I wanted to go to to look at that side of the world. 
so I had a conversation with my dad before, you know, before I left, uh, while I was graduating college. I said, Dad, I'm going to try this engineering stuff to see how it goes, but I'll, I can always come back to construction. He was very uh, open to uh, whatever I wanted to do. So I went in the, in the 90s. I worked in engineering and computer science. And so the technology bubble, I was actually involved in technology at that point. 13 years into that industry, I had a family. I had a family. I was doing a lot of traveling. I was doing a lot of overseas traveling. And uh, I had two sons. They were getting older. I was getting older. Technology is a young man's game. I couldn't keep up with the technology anymore. So I decided to go back into construction. So back in around 2000, 2006, I went, I went to my dad and said, Dad, I think I'm ready to come back to construction. So, you know, he was considering retiring. He was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. So we, you know, my partner is my brother-in-law, you know, so it was the three of us initially, my, my dad, my brother-in-law, myself, you know, we created DP Group General Contracting and his company kind of sort of transitioning over to the DP Group. And then uh, and that was it. And then I stayed and brought my project management skills from engineering and computer science and helped grow the business. I always am fascinated that, at a young age, when there's so much that we've yet to see, that's the age where we really are, are forced to make this fork in the road decision. And it never pans out how you thought it would at first. But for the people who just keep trying and, and keep pursuing their passions, it usually has a happy ending. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able to find success. And I'm sure that you guys are doing a lot to to take the business into the future and new directions and, and to, you know, build off what your family's accomplished in the past. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Thanks. Yeah. So getting down to business, I, I mentioned before how DP Group has been doing essential construction jobs and you guys have been working during this time that a lot of people haven't been. We've seen how Cuomo has prioritized industries construction is really on the top tier in terms of prioritization. Talk about maybe why you think that is and the role of construction now and moving forward and why it's really so essential. Sure. So I think it has to do with our employment numbers, to be honest with you. Um, New York, in New York State in like 2018, I think we had in the industry construction industry about 400,000 jobs uh, in New York State. Um, and with that comes a lot of economic economic monies uh, from it. So I know I did some research. I, I, this was my gut feeling, and I researched it today to see uh, see how how right I was. So yeah, twenty eighteen construction spending set records of like sixty one billion dollars in New York City, um, which is which is quite a big quite a big number. And construction firms generated uh, estimated eighty four billion dollars in economic economic activity in twenty eighteen which is 10% of New York City's uh, economic, total economic output. So I think, you know, the, the, the economies, the economics of the situation in the, uh, in the COVID, in this COVID crisis, you know, construction is considered essential, but our side of the construction, I, I thought the entire construction industry should have been essential because we are able to manage the workforce, the project sites, um, to to follow appropriate guidelines, yeah. So I think it's about it's about how many people are employed in the state, which which helps the overall economics of the state and the city. That's interesting because when I thought about the construction industry and why it's so essential, 
my thoughts always go back to the dependency that we have on building and rebuilding the infrastructure of our city and our state. But I'm glad you brought up how many people are relying on their jobs and why that makes it essential. So I'm glad you brought that up. Sure. I mean, it, I'm not trying to take away. I mean, you have emergency services that are required. You know, you have gas leaks, you have, you know, electrical problems. Those are critical in itself to, to maintain just the public uh, infrastructure. So, yeah, you know, taking that aside, but if you look at it as a whole, you know, that's a small segment, I think, of the entire industry, you know, from new construction to rehab, you know, home residential. When I look at it for, as a whole, you know, I see it more in the economics of it and and how many people are employed in the in the industry than I do specifically for those smaller segments, which are critical. You know, infrastructure is obviously critical, but on the whole, it's, it doesn't encompass the, the entirety of the industry. Right. So what complexities and difficulties, if any, have you guys experienced when we're talking about the contractual issues that arise out of delays or bonding or force majeure when we're talking about extenuating circumstances that could affect your ability to carry out a contract. What issues have, have arose in terms of that? Well, definitely delays are, are a, big, a big issue right now, although we, we haven't been able to quantify the exact delay amounts as of yet. We know there are delays. Although we've been working since this crisis started, the, our workforce has been reduced uh, probably 46% for a majority of the, of the last three months. And that was a combination of subcontractors being sick, subcontractors not showing up, our own workforce, you know, having to watch their children because there's nobody watching from schooling. So overall, we saw a reduction of about 46% of our workforce, which just by itself causes causes delays. Um, so what we did, you know, we won't see the impacts until the end of our projects um, to see if we're able to catch up, because we'll do our best to, to maintain the schedules as best we can. But we did notify all, our, all of our owners uh, with letters just saying, you know, force majeure documentation saying, you know, this, this may occur, we may cause delays, we or receive, have delays on the project, and we'll do our best uh, to, to manage that. Right. Have you guys seen, in terms of the, the vendors that you're working with, ha- have their issues trickled down to DP group? So yes, let me tell you two things that have occurred. So we have subcontractors, although our construction business is affordable and supportive housing and our jobs happen to be classed as uh, essential. We had our subcontractors who don't only work for the affordable housing market, they work for all markets in construction. So we had one of our subcontractors who we were his only affordable housing project, his own essential job. So he basically had to keep his office running for us. So there were some delays in in his uh, his workforce because of that. Because you know he he had everything else shut down. There was no reason for him to be open except for my one project. Um, we are seeing some vendors. Um, everybody's concerned about monies. You know, a lot of people are demanding money up front, which were which was never as much an issue. But delays on receiving the material. Uh, we've been we've been seeing certain certain part pro, parts of the project where there are delays of, you know, two, four, six weeks uh, from where it should be or longer. I can only imagine how much that really affects you as a company because everything revolves around timing in these contracts, and you're moving from project to project to project, 
And the industry is all about how can I get the job done in a quality way as quickly as possible. Every single aspect and, and challenge that arises out of this pandemic affects that. When you're talking about needing to have bonding and your insurance in place and certain things that expire when you are not able to meet deadlines, I can only imagine the issues that it creates for you guys. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing, I, you know, it is global. This is a global issue. So I think that that helped in certain ways where it's not just an isolated uh, a regional issue. So, you know, when we spoke to people regarding delays, you know, everyone is, everyone understands that everyone's in the same boat. So um, that's definitely softening the blow of what, what could potentially have been, you know, much dire, dire straits. Getting on to the next question, in an industry that's already risky enough when we're talking about high-risk jobs in construction where you have employee injuries and you have the potential for faulty worksmanship that, that could injure people and cause property damage and lawsuits. Now, another aspect that we have to focus on is ensuring the safety from a COVID standpoint of your workers. So what changes have you guys made at DP Group to comply with restrictions that are being handed down from public agencies like OSHA, like the Department of Buildings, the Department of Labor? What are you guys seeing on that end where you're being required or or recommended to put certain uh, safety protocols into place? Sure. You know, you know so, some obvious things, which uh, well, obvious now, maybe you know, three months into it, everybody's been hearing, you know, social distancing, protecting uh, CPE protection. But what we've done on, on all of our projects, there, there's some simple things, you know, post signs up just to remind people to wash their hands, remind people that if they're sick to stay home, some basic health signs that we actually downloaded, I think was from the CDC. So we got our information from a couple places. We first started with CDC because that was that was more available or immediately available before the state started giving us some information. I received some some information, some guidelines from NYSAFA, which is New York State Affordable Housing. And then, and then I received some stuff from HCR, which is uh, uh, HCR's home, home, New York State Homes and uh, Community Renewal. So I received, they're all pretty similar. So number one is signs, making sure that people know to wash their hands, stay away from each other. What we do is when, when people enter our, our projects, we take their temperature. And if they have more than 100.4 degree temperature, then we're, they're not allowed to come onto the site. We, ch- we check the person's temperature. If it's 100.4 or greater, they need to leave the project. We document that information to report back. Uh, this, my supers do this. They report back to the office. Um, we have daily talks with the workforce on the site. So basically saying similar things to what the sign says, what the sign say, you know, wash your hands. If you're feeling sick, you know, stay away. Um, and just going over some health protocols that they should be following. And then reporting back, just just daily reporting on workforce. If anybody was, if any of our subcontractors had received a, a, a positive diagnosis, then that would trigger some events on our side. If, if the diagnosis was positive and they worked on our field in, 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 on our project, then we, we would shut that project down and clean it before we let a lot of people get back in. So we were lucky where none of the employees or subcontractors that were 
working on our site ever came with a positive uh, diagnosis. We have had some subcontractors that received a positive diagnosis, but they were working on other sites, so they just didn't show up for a couple of weeks, but the rest of our site was able to, to work. And I mean, that's that's generally it. The other things, we put protocols in our offices open, so we have protocols in our office as well, which is very similar, you know, six feet uh, distance as best you can. Many people working from home, but the people who can't in the office um, have to have masks. So if they walk around the office, they have to have masks. We check people's temperatures on the way in, on the way into our office. We ask people whoever come in to disinfect their hands. We have a hand sanitizer on the way in, and we do uh, cleanings um, on both the jobs and in the office. Which you know, all public areas we clean at least once or twice, three times a day. Disinfect. Uh, doorknobs, light switches, and, and the like. It sounds like you guys are doing a very comprehensive job, and I wish you guys the best of luck in maintaining those standards because as difficult as it may be to put these rules in effect and to enforce them, it's even more difficult once you have that positive case to really trace it. You have an employee that's been sick. How do you go about contact tracing and it gets a lot more complicated, but it sounds like you guys have the right things in place for now and, you know, just best of luck keeping safe. One thing that I've noticed, there's more construction businesses that are requiring their employees and businesses in general um, requiring their patrons to sign a COVID waiver, obviously in an attempt to deflect liability and, and potential lawsuits. Is this something that you guys have considered using or are using? No, not yet. Um, so no, I, I I have not been doing that. I've, nobody has asked me to sign any waivers. Um, so it's it's nothing that's occurred. I'm not saying it will it won't occur because I think it probably will. I think people may ask for it. Um, I don't think you know. To me, it's up to it's responsibility of the of the owner, company owner, to make sure that their employees are safe and to do, to do the right thing. You know, as best he he or she can uh, to achieve that safe environment. Um, you know, these pe- people come to work for, for the, an organization. It's the organization's responsibility, I feel, to take care of that. Now, that organization can't control everything. You know, they're, you know no matter what protocols are in place, uh, you know, some, something could always happen. But you try to minimize that as best you can. So I don't know if I'll ever use a waiver. I don't, I don't know. If, I'm not really sure. Right. Yeah, I think that it's not something that hurts as a company if you choose to have your employees or your patrons sign a waiver. But we've seen in the past where waivers get thrown out in court. And with something like COVID where it's really so hard to prove that one person being affected was caused by this, that's something that will come into play to where I don't know how effective the use of waivers will be. You know, you can think about it, you know, it took for for the COVID-19 issue, you know, it took, you know, weeks for it to show its show itself if you if you do get exposed to it so i think it'd be hard for people to pinpoint that it'll be it was the company that you know i received the virus you know at the company or it could be you know down the block or whatever so i don't know it would be a difficult thing i think to, to do right so you guys as general contractors you've positioned yourself to the point where you've been able to sustain your business with essential work Whereas a lot of other contractors have not been able 
they have no work when it comes to affordable housing or any other sectors that are essential. In this new pandemic climate, what advantage does it lend for DP Group, if any, that you guys have had somewhat more continuous business? I don't know if there's a, a real uh, full-fledged advantage over the competition. Um, I think, you know, we're just three months ahead of them. Um, I think, you know, it's a reality that everyone's going to be forced, you know, whether you like it or not, it's going to be forced into doing. And if you don't do it, you're you're not going to be around much longer, is my opinion. So I think our advantage, the advantage for us is that we've been forced to do it more immediately. You know, we were forced to think about it, forced to, you know, deal with it, you know, how, how to address the the protocols that, that were required. Um, so we just had to give it a more thought of we're able to execute it sooner than some of some other companies. But I think the other companies, I think, will be able to execute those same things. And, you know, I think it'll be kind of a level play, playing field after, you know, a short amount of time, you know, a couple of months. Right. Well, that's all the questions that I had for you, Mike. I just wanted to give you the floor, which is what we do to finish off. Talk about DP Group and highlight the parts of your business that you want to spotlight. We are, DP Group is a general construction company. We do work in the boroughs right now, all, all boroughs, Brooklyn, Queens, uh, Manhattan, uh, the Bronx. We stay out of Staten Island. It's a little too far for us. Um, but other than that, we do primarily affordable and supportive housing uh, for New York City, New York State. Um, we do new construction, uh, anywhere from uh, 30 or so units to really about 120 units, uh, or typically six to 10 stories is normally where, where we land. We've done smaller. We haven't done very much larger than 11 stories. We do uh, work in gut rehab construction, and we started doing in-place rehab construction, which is tenant-in-place work. So we're... we're Multifaceted. Uh, we've been around for a long time. We're second generation uh, construction company. My dad started in the eighties, um, so we've been around a while. The name is is pretty well known. At least my last name Pill is known. And that's it. I think we're we're an honest, hardworking company that knows what we're doing. You know, we've been around a long time, and we don't mess around. We we have a good quality product. So that's about it. Mike, I I really appreciate again you taking the time out of your day. I know that. You're probably uh, busier than ever these days. So I just wanted to say thank you for giving our listeners some value, bringing them inside your world. And with the risky nature of the construction business and everything that you guys do, I just wish you guys the best of luck in maintaining your projects and maintaining your employees' safety and continuing to give your clients quality work. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It was really, uh, really enjoyable, actually. So that's a wrap for our discussion with Mike Pilla on a topic that I think really could not be more relevant, not only for construction firms out there, but for businesses of any type that are prioritizing the safety and health of their workforce as business reopens. To continue the conversation and to talk about insurance and minimizing risk for your construction business reach out to me via my website at ianmlinder.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at The Risk Free Podcast to stay posted on each new episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm Ian Linder, and until next time, be sure to keep it risk-free.